Hello and welcome to the Fearless Man Podcast. This is a show where we talk about everything that God wants us to remember to do as a husband, a father, a friend, a leader, and even a chef in the kitchen. Don't miss it. Share with your friends and I'll see you on the podcast. This is your host, Andy Falco Jimenez. Hello, my friends. This is Andy Falco Jimenez coming to you live from Yorba Linda, California. Now, I know there may be a few of you that are coming on thinking that uh, this is going to be the Living Fearless devotional with Hedia, my wife, except for not tonight. <laughs> she is, I believe she's still en route to Mississippi because I haven't heard from her in a bit. Um, she was in Atlanta just uh, about an hour ago, I think. Uh, so she should be getting into Mississippi pretty soon. She'll be speaking at a woman's conference uh, there in Mississippi. Let's see. What's the name of that conference? She sent me the graphic. It is called Redeemed Women Gathering. And uh, there's two speakers, uh, Hedia being one of them, and the other lady's name is Tracy Thompson, speaking truth, sharing faith, sharing Jesus in a hostile world. Yes. Speaking of hostile world, today's 9-11. Um, it is a day of remembrance that... Um, I agree with Pastor Jack Hibbs today, an incredible message. I went to two services. I went to the first service, drove home really fast, said goodbye to Hedia, helped her out with her luggage, and then I drove back to the church and, and made it in time for the third service. Uh, it was that good. It, you know, they're always that good. But um, today uh, was not good in the sense that um, what he talked about was good. It was important for him to say what he said, and that is that although the saying is never forget um, his fear, and I believe even my fear is that we've forgotten. And how do I know that? Is because the very same people that attacked us on 9-11-2001, sorry, I just thought maybe Hedy had just texted me, but she didn't, uh, it are the same people or same type of people that are in power right now. Uh, and I know that that seems very strong that you mean, Andy, that uh, Islamic terrorists are in charge of our country and our Congress and our Senate and in, in charge of uh, Sacramento, in charge of uh, Chicago, in charge of uh, 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 Baltimore, where else? Uh, New York, um, not necessarily Islamic terrorists, but the same people that hate. I mean, they hate our country in a very similar way that they are destroying this country, and they despise and have, have called a war against Americans. And that's uh, it, it, the similarities are there, not in the sense that they are Islamic terrorists. Now, I know that's strong words. I know that maybe somebody will come on, and I know that I'll get blocked off of YouTube or what have you. But if you look at what's happening in this country uh, currently, it is September 11th, 2022, that you may be listening to this on a podcast or watching a replay, but live. Uh, obviously, today is September 11th, 2022. But if if we were truly remembering as far as a federal government or state government here in California, would you be actively destroying the country in a very similar way where people are dying at a higher rate than what we lost on 9-11? What we lost at 9-11 was nearly 3,000 people in one day in three different crime scenes and 
what's happening today is we are losing 300 people a day in chemical warfare coming from China and South America, namely uh, the Mexican cartel. And it's being supported and encouraged by our federal government. Nobody, nobody's concerned about that. You have leadership, leadership, I'm going to put that in quotes, of, uh, of all these states that care nothing about what's happening in their states in regard to an open southern border that, again, is inviting the poisoning of hundreds of Americans every day. <clears throat> Not only that, it's allowing in terrorists, it's allowing in criminals, it's allowing in uh, unvetted uh, people, criminal people across our border by the millions, two million people, um, they believe, if not more, have come across our border are, are now in our country that we're not required. And again, I don't care about whether they're vaccinated or not, but they do care about people that come from other countries that are legitimate visitors here to do business cannot come in this country without a vaccine. But criminals can come, can come across the southern border. So when I say that I believe that we are being destroyed on the inside of this country by people that just really hate our country. Um, I, I don't know how that you can believe anything else. They keep repeating that we're a democracy. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. They keep lying to the American people, uh, and they keep repeating. Even uh, um, news uh, casters are saying that we are democracy. We are not a democracy. If we were a democracy, that would mean that we are run by people. That is the last thing we want running our country, especially the people that we have in Sacramento and the people that we have in the, in the, in the Senate and Congress and in the White House. That is not who we want running our country. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, number one, we are a constitutional republic where the Constitution is what runs this country, essentially. However, the people that are in these positions of power in the Senate and the Congress and the White House are ignoring the Constitution, are ignoring our laws. And, and that is not, again, how the United States of America is meant to have been run. They've chased God out of our schools. They have chased God out of our governments. They have chased God out of every Democratic-run city and state in our country. And we are losing our country. If you have not seen Pastor Jack Kibbs' message today, I put a link in the description. So whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, well, maybe not Twitter. I don't think Twitter shows the description. It might, but I don't know. Um, but uh, the others rumble, and we're on Next Gen USA, the Next Gen uh, USA, which is a new network that we are on. Um, that uh, the, in the description you can you will find uh, Pastor Jack Kibbs' message on YouTube. How long it'll be on YouTube? I don't know because uh, the tyrants at, at YouTube and Facebook would would do not will not like his message, <laughs> and, and we'll and we'll get rid of it. So um, I'm sorry I started off so strong and so negatively, but uh, it's time to um, to for us to realize that we are going to lose this country in a very short period of time. I don't know if we're going to make it till November. Uh, if, if we don't make, and if we do, if we don't make some changes in November, then um, we are, we are in a terrible way in this country.
while you're on, I can see people are watching. If you wouldn't mind commenting, I know that you probably think this is a living fearless devotional and you came on, you know, to watch that and not be by myself. <laughs> but once again, those of you that have joined a little bit late, uh, understand, uh, you know, that this is a fearless man podcast. I do it a little bit differently. Um, and, um, and Hetty is on her way to Mississippi to speak to a women's group out there. Um, and, um, you know, just blessings for her having safe travels. You know, she has a bad back and all that. Uh, let's hope that, that it doesn't get worse uh, in, in flight. You know how it is on those, those, those seats. Oh, good. Some people commented. Uh, we got Jan French watching on the Fearless Man podcast. And we have Priscilla watching on the Fearless Man podcast. Jan French said that was definitely a Jonah type message Jack Hibbs gave today. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. What a, what a great message. Uh, what a great message. Um, again, I went to first service and I, I went back for third service. And each one was a little bit different. And I don't know which one I cried harder at, which is the first one or the last one, but we are losing this country. And um, uh, Pastor Jack made a, unfortunately made a good argument for why that's happening. And, uh, but the good news is God is on his throne and we will be seeing him sooner than later. Um, but what I wanted to read, he had mentioned it today, at least in the third message. I'm, I'm pretty sure he said in the first message too, that uh, the Mayflower Compact is an important um, part of our history here in uh, the United States of America uh, before America became a country where um, the pilgrims and the Mayflower um, were coming across. And once they landed in Plymouth Rock, they had created a two-paragraph compact called the Mayflower Plant Compact, which uh, would then lead to our, our history and our constitution being one that has biblical aspects to it and in, in God blessed this country um, with so many wonderful things that we have simply over the last 21 years since 9-11 in particular have decided to, to forget and to, um, and to squander uh, what we had on 9-12 that uh, I was, I, I created a, I created a video for my kids and I was thinking about sending it. And then I kind of hemmed and hawed about it. It's a strong message about what it is they need to know. You know, I got six kids, five of them were not alive uh, uh, when nine 11 occurred. Uh, my oldest daughter was about six years old. And uh, like everybody else, I was, I remember where I was. I was on the 91 freeway heading into work. Uh, I was a detective and I got into work uh, when the planes first flew into the, the buildings. I was uh, listening to Howard Stern on the 91 freeway and, uh, and he was interviewing Pam Anderson and interrupted, uh, that phone call that he was having to the news that a plane had flown into the building and they were going, what kind of plane was it? Uh, and then by the time I got traffic for the 91 freeway is very heavy by the way. And it takes a very, it took a very long time at the time I was living in Riverside driving into Anaheim police department. And, uh, you know, the, it was as we, as I was getting into the office there, into my, into my desk, that they realized that it was a terrorist attack. And then while we turned on the news and began to watch on the television there in the detective uh, bureau, uh, the buildings collapsed and uh, changed all of our lives. Some of the men uh, that I, I worked with, and one man in particular, would, would stop being a police officer at Anaheim and would go... Uh, to either Afghanistan or Iraq to serve for our country um, in the name of, of taking out the terrorists that attacked us. And one such man, uh, Gunny is what his nickname was, um, died. Um, 
not long after, I believe, not long after getting into country there. And so it, it changed our lives. And so, um, and I, I do think that uh, in many ways that we've long forgotten, it didn't just happen just this year, but over the, over the years, you know, we've been being attacked. I was, uh, I, I'm sorry, I was talking about this video that I created for my kids that I, I think instead I'm going to wait till we all are gathered together and, and, and bring a message to how great this country once was and that we are the, the least racist uh, country on the planet, the most giving country on the planet. It's the, it's the country that would go to any disaster in, in any country when needed, uh, even to countries that are our enemies to help uh, in a disaster. Uh, we were, are often called the, the world's police because we would go there to protect the innocent um, from, from being destroyed or killed uh, in these hostile countries, Hedia, um, as a counterterrorism expert, would go overseas and fight for our country uh, in the sense of of uh, counterintelligence to um, save our country from attack from terrorists. Um, uh, there, you've heard stories of her hiding in a trunk as she was trying to escape um, a revolution and being shot at. Uh, that while she was trying to uh, again get intelligence and and help. Um, keep us from being attacked again by the terrorists. Um, me on a small part here in um, the homeland as a police officer, 21 years uh, before and after 9-11 fighting uh, the criminal element and trying to keep us safe. And all the men and women that I work with, black, white, Mexican, Asian, uh, gay, straight, um, I love them all and work side by side. We are the least racist, homophobic country on the planet. Um, we may joke, we may kid each other about where we came from and what kind of food we eat and, you know, you know what our sexual preferences is, but we all loved each other and worked together. We are not racist, homophobic people. We love one another. We love to kid one another. I played hockey uh, with all races of people and we would not only play hard against each other, we would even punch each other and fight and then go out afterwards and hug each other and, and have a few beers together. Just the fact that on occasion that I'm called a racist or a homophobic or an a-hole or a you name it, I've been called all kinds of names because I love this country and fought for this country. And same with Hedia, as a former is is um, Muslim, um, the evil things that she's been called, and um, we fight on. We still love this country. We don't uh, we don't take any offense from it, but. Um, I made that message today for my kids to talk to them about what it is they're being taught about this country and about police and how horrible they are and that the family, the nuclear family is evil and that they should not talk to their parents about their feelings or about what it is that they're going through. That maybe even if they're going through a, a time where they don't feel that they are in the right body, that that's something they should hide from the, their parents, that if they're pregnant, um, that they should hide that from their parents and get an abortion. That the evil that's being they're being taught is not what this country was ever based on, and uh, I felt like the video was pretty good actually, <laughs> but I think it'll be better done in person. Um, it was twenty two minutes long talking about the history of uh, my our, our parents. My father fought in World War II, went across in the Queen Mary, <clears throat> and and then eventually would enter to get inside one of those small boats and land on Normandy. He would eventually uh, walk through a, an encampment uh, created by the Nazis to um, exterminate Jews and homosexuals and 
uh, Russians and anybody that was the enemy to Nazis in these extermination camps, experimenting on them, um, starving them, throwing water on them in 25 below zero. That that's, that that's the country that my father was over there protecting against Nazis, against um, Marxists in the uh, uh, Mussolini and the tyrant of the Japanese um, uh, emperor, Toyo, I think his name is, or Tojo his name is, that the, my parents' mother, his father fought in Korea. Hedia's parents came from Iran at a time during the, uh, just before the um, Iranian revolution or the Islamic revolution, that he saw the, the writing on the wall that things were going downhill and escaped to a country that loved him. It maybe had been difficult in the beginning where they, uh, the Iranians uh, were thought to be terrorists and were not trusted, and it was difficult, I know. But it, her father would eventually become a successful surgeon doctor here in the United States and create a, a beautiful, wonderful life for his family that he would not have been able to create in Iran. And so I wanted to tell my kids that. I wanted to put it on video, and I wanted to give it to them. But again, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. I, I, I talked about the same thing, that our country is not a democracy, that it's a constitutional republic, and that they're trying to convince people by repeating over and over that this is a democracy. It is not a democracy. We are protected by the greatest document ever created by man, which is the United States Constitution that the people in power right now want to destroy and are ignoring at every chance that they get. <clears throat> it's not how I intended to start this uh, this broadcast. I wanted to read the Mayflower Compact <laughs> that Pastor Jack, Jack suggest, suggested that we read <clears throat> today. Um, but... Uh, I think it's so important to talk to our kids and to, to help them understand what our country was built for. It was built for people that wanted to be free from tyrants, from Marxists, <clears throat> that now they're accusing you of being. <laughs> God-fearing God conservatives, Americans, they're, they're accusing you of being a murdering Marxist, a Nazi, a communist, a socialist, that uh, wherever any of those things have been done, it has led to nothing but disaster. And yet here they are trying to do it. <laughs> and then they're, they're trying to say that you're, you're the one doing it. <clears throat> it is so crazy. Um, so just really quick, I want to get Amy Feltz says from Texas, the great country of Texas. <laughs> I know it's a stage. Pastor Jack's message was outstanding today. I listened to all three services. Me too. I, uh, I, I was at first, I listened to second and I went back and sat in third, uh, Didi from, uh, YouTube says some will choose to place God between them and their enemies. Others will choose to place themselves between God and his enemies. The time to choose is at hand. Choose wisely. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Didi. 
I'm not sure who you are, but uh, if you want to tell us who you are, uh, let us know. But where are you watching from? How about that? All right, let's get to this reading. I'm reading from a book that's called um, 100 Bible Verses That Made America. Now, anybody that tells you that this country was not based on uh, biblical uh, aspects or has a foundation of, of God, uh, they, they know nothing about the real history of the United States of America. If, if they truly believe that this country is racist, then they do not know the history of this country. This country, since its beginning, since even before its beginning, was uh, uh, part, partook or participated in the, abol the abolishment of slavery. Now, there's no doubt that there was this battle between those that wanted slavery that were in this country and those that were against slavery. But even before the existence of this country, um, I believe it was a Frenchman in the beginning. Let me look in the beginning of this book. It talks about uh, a time. Antonio de Montesinos. That sounds Italian. Maybe it wasn't Italian. It wasn't Italian. Sorry. Sorry, French. Sorry, Italian. It was, oh, no, it was a Spaniard. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, he was appalled by what he saw um, and what was happening uh, in the Dominican Republic in relationship to slavery. And he went back to Spain and said, hey, we got we to gotta knock this stuff off. And uh, it's a much longer story. I may read it in the future. But uh, that was in 1511 that a man saw the horrors of slavery and fought against it and actually was successful in uh, the Catholic Church uh, coming in and, and saying, you know what, let's not do this anymore. Now, the story is much longer and greater than what I, than what I just told you, of course. Um, but um, it was a Christmas sermon that he gave, and he was chased out of town because he, he talked about that slavery was unethical. And... Um, and was very outspoken, uh, but he went back to Spain and said that uh, this needed to stop. And the and, and the leadership in Spain said, "I we agree with you." So uh, that's how far back this goes. So let me get to uh, September twenty second, sixteen twenty. I'm going to have to put my old man glasses on. Um, oh, Priscilla was at second service, and uh, I missed her. Yes, oh, it was well worth the drive uh, for you to come down there. Um, it was amazing. I'm sorry I missed you. I should have said something like, wait for me. Let me give you a big hug. Uh, Priscilla, there was a second service. All right. So September uh, 22nd, 1620, the Mayflower Flower Compact. Um, the reference at the beginning is Psalm 107.30 that says, so he guides them to their desired haven. So he guides them to their desired haven. Psalm 107.30. It says uh, here in... Uh, this is authored by Robert J. Morgan, uh, 100 Bible Verses That Made America. The Mayflower sailed from Plymouth Harbor on Wednesday, September 6, 1620, and the voyage to America felt like a nightmare. The ship was about the length of a tennis court. Could you imagine that? I thought as a kid, you're thinking the Mayflower must have been this huge ship. I mean, not gigantic, not like uh, today's cruise ships, but fairly big. You know, you have this thought. Uh, that it must be about the size of a football field, at least. But no, it says here that it was the size of a tennis court. You know how small a tennis court is? And it hadn't been designed for passengers at all, only for cargo. As a result, all 102, 102 people, imagine 102 people standing in a tennis court. Where's the luggage? Where's all the food? What, where, do they, where do they keep all the stuff? I know it's a cargo ship, but now you add 102 people. 
As a result, all 102 passengers and the 25 or so crew members, so 127 people on this ship, on this boat, <laughs> better described, were crammed into tight spaces. The passengers spent most of their time in the darkness of the gun deck, which measured 25 by 15 feet at its broadest point and was barely over five feet high. Can you imagine? The children could stand up, but everyone else was forced to crawl on hands and knees. They had children with them on this boat. The ship rolled and pitched and made slow progress. The voyage lasted 66 days, a little over two months. Seasickness was rampant, and there was little means of sanitation. A large contingent of stowaway cockroaches and rats accompanied the pilgrims, and the heavy seas hit the walls of the Mayflower like sledgehammers sending rivulets of cold water into the hold, drenching the pilgrims and turning everything into a sodden mess. Imagine, oh my gosh, salt water mixed with the fecal contamination or, uh, and, and urine and rats and cockroaches. Two months living in darkness like that, not, uh, not able to stand up if you're an adult. The pilgrims, however, never lost sight of God. Midway through the voyage on September 22nd, they read the scripture for the day and felt it was placed in the Bible just for them. It was Psalm 107, a glorious psalm of thanksgiving, which expresses the gratitude of various groups of people who experienced God's watchful care over their lives. One portion of the psalm was spoken by those on dangerous voyages who rejoice because their God controls the elements and knows how to guide them to safe harbors, and to their desired ha haven. Verses 23 through 31 says, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that it waves, so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired heaven. I'm so sorry. He guides them to their desired haven. Oh, the men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I'm going to stop here for one second, but can you imagine the 127 people, I think it was, that were about a month in living in this dark place with the um, rats and the cockroaches and the fecal matter and the urine that just reading the scripture for the day, and in this one in particular, where you know people are dying, you know people are sick, you know that they are see, they have seasickness, they're throwing up with little food that they have, and that reading God's word can get them through another day and give them joy in this environment. When you think about the day that you had and how difficult it may be, you know, I'm in a house right now that I, there's air conditioning going, um, we just had a steak dinner. Zara and I are here and 
Uh, I cooked a steak dinner uh, with um, uh, mushrooms and spinach. Um, and you can, uh, you can, you know, somehow find something to be upset about and nothing for me today, but I'm just, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you can find, Oh, you know, I got too much work to do, or I got to clean the dishes or, you know, whatever it is. And you can get all down. (laughs) And sometimes not even the scripture makes you feel better, but these people were in a dark, dingy wave filled, um, madness with people throwing up and sick and ill and rats and cockroaches. And this scripture made them feel better, according to this book. Um, uh, Priscilla asked what book. I'm I'm not sure if you caught it, but it's called 100 uh, Bible Verses uh, That Made America. So so they read that. They feel better. Um, I'm sorry. I got to put my glasses back on. Um, Going on, uh, Robert Morgan says, when the Mayflower finally sailed into its desired haven, of Cape Cod, the pilgrims hammered out a formal and binding agreement, which is known as the Mayflower Compact, and was signed aboard ship on November 11th, 1620. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, and the honor of king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. Do by these presents, solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and of one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body of politique. Politique being the uh, practice of politics and the discussion of politics. That was it. This was the, the, the first writings of, uh, of the community, which would we eventually become the United States of America, a community of people that put up with such amazing and terrible circumstances to leave a place where they feel like, felt like they could not um, worship the God, the only God, the one true God, and they made that trip for God, to come to a country that they felt that they could actually worship God. And in doing so, we're going to create a colony based on that belief and that desire that it was going to be in the presence of God and one another, a covenant combined ourselves together into a civil body of politique, a discussion of politics. In their book, The The Light and the Glory, Peter Marshall and David Manuel wrote, this is the last part, the Mayflower Compact would become the cornerstone of American representative government. The cornerstone of representative government. Although the pilgrims had no idea of the significance for America of what they had done, it marked the first time in history of the world, by the way, since the children of Israel in the Sinai wilderness, with the exception of John Calvin's Geneva, that free and equal men, free and equal men. I'm going to get back to that in one second, uh, unrelated to the, the compact. Free and, uh, and equal men had voluntarily covenanted together to create their own new civil government based on biblical principles. Amen. Do not let anybody tell you this country was not created based on a covenant with our God. 
<clears throat> the importance of that, that part where it says equal. Men are equal, men and women, right? Men are equal of any color, sexual orientation, whatever. It doesn't matter. In, in the sense that when we're in a country, that we are all equal. We equally work hard. We equally follow the laws. We equally have an opportunity to, to, uh, to create a business. Together, we will pay a, a portion of what it is we make to a government to, to, to bring a, 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 an army to protect us, a law enforcement agency to protect us, and um, infrastructure that allows us to go from point A to point B to, um, uh, to have water that is clean, to, uh, you know, to be able to have an internet, um, all these types of things. But that's where it needs to stop. We, we don't want government controlling um, any other business, which, whether that's medical or uh, now, especially now schools, we can see what a horrific uh, job they've done with schools um, and a whole bunch of other things. We, we, we want to limit government in many things, but we need government for, again, protection, for borders. <laughs> We're not a country without a border. We now have one border, I think. I think maybe they're, they're right busy keeping the Canadians out. Those dangerous people, they actually are becoming dangerous, but not as dangerous as what's coming across our southern border. That, we, that the equality is so darn important. What we have a problem right now happening in our country is we have people that are trying to say that it's more important to have equity. Equity is not, equity is racist. Yet we have people that saying we're racist for not having equity. They want to ignore the fact that this country was based on equality between men. And they are fighting for equity. Equity is the most evil thing that we can bring into our, our schools and our country. What is the difference? I think I can bring it up here. This is actually on another podcast I was doing. I created this slide. Hold on. I got I to gotta change. My background may change too. So just don't think that you lost me. Oh, it's going to stay. All right. Here, here, here it is. So equality seeks to protect individual rights regardless of race. Equity seeks to divide the world into competing racial groups and ensure race-based equality of outcomes, endorsing active racial discrimination to get there. That's the difference between equality and equity. And when you hear people arguing for equity, you got to say, absolutely not. That's what, that's, what, that's what happens in Marxist socialist countries. That's what causes the demise and the destruction of these other countries is when they bring equity into things. Equality is what our country was based on. And we need to fight for that. We need to maintain that. When people begin to call you racist and yet support equity, you, you know that they are gaslighting you. It's an overused word. Many people, again, just like anything else, the Democrats, the liberals, they use words in a way that attacks you when they don't, in fact, when they, in fact, are the ones who are causing most of these problems but they're gaslighting you into saying that this is a democracy and that we want equity. We do not want a democracy in this country and we, do not, and we do not want equity. We want a constitutional republic, which our country was based on. It was by biblical values and biblical teachings and morality. And we want equality, which is again in our constitution. 
Did we have slavery? Yes. But were we one of the first countries to get rid of slavery? Absolutely. Have we always tried to get rid of slavery? Absolutely. We, um, we may not be able to recover. Um, and uh, I was believing that even before the message from Jack, but uh, Jack just brought so many good points. Uh, again, not good in a way that they're good, just points that are necessary to hear that uh, we are in deep trouble and is very unlikely that, especially if in November, we don't make some changes in this country that we will lose this country. Um, it will never be the same if they continue to erode our constitution, that we are no longer a constitutional republic, that we become a, a, a democracy. We are doomed uh, as a country, uh, at least as a country of the United States that we were raised on or raised in, many of us. Just one thing I want to go through really quick. Uh, you may not uh, remember this, but uh, I just want to go through some of the stats of 9-11 since I have it up. Uh, first, let's just, uh, uh, since it is 9-11, if you're, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm sorry, you may need to go to one of our, our video platforms, whether it's Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, which are all communists, by the way, um, or you can go to Rumble or uh, the, the, the nextgenusa.com website uh, where we're broadcasting also right now. But here are the two towers that two planes flew into. Uh, of course, that's a World Trade Center that once was there that, that collapsed and fell. Uh, you have the Pentagon where a plane uh, flew into a portion of it. Thankfully, it didn't hit its target directly. It, uh, it, it, it missed uh, for the most part, but hit enough to where some people's lives were taken. Uh, and then we have the, brain, the brave people that were aboard um, uh, Flight 93 that uh, was able to keep that plane from being uh, flown into our capital, killing uh, way more people, of course. Um, and thank God for the people that fought back, the brave people that fought back. <clears throat> uh, but what was the uh, stats for that day? And I'm come back and I'm going to talk about what I mean by that day because uh, it's more than this. Uh, but uh, during the September 11th, 2001 attacks, 2,977 citizens were killed. 19 hijackers committed murder-suicide. Who cares about them? And more than 6,000 citizens were injured. More than 6,000. So 2,753 were killed at the World Trade Center, 184 at the Pentagon, which includes those on the plane, of course. Uh, 40 of, in Pennsylvania, 39 were in the plane, and one person, I believe, was on the ground. Um, and then uh, these deaths included 265 total in all four planes, two in the World Trade Center buildings, one in the Pentagon, and one in Pennsylvania. The attacks remained the deadliest terrorist attack in world history. So what I mean by there are more people that are victims of 9-11, of, of course, all the family uh, uh, of the, those people and friends of people that were killed on that day, but also the people that um, were part of the first the, re the rescue that were trying to rescue those people that were um, buried. Uh, I've interviewed a gentleman who was buried twice in the rubble. He was a fireman. I believe he was a fire captain. Uh, a great guy. I met him at an event that I was at in San Diego. And then I interviewed him later uh, on 9-11 about four or five years ago. Uh, and he was buried twice. He was uh, recovered. And then uh, the second building collapsed and buried him a second time and had to be rescued a second time. Uh, he's still alive, but people that were involved in the rescue and, or first the rescue and then the recovery uh, for days and days and days following 9-11, uh, many have died of cancer and other health related issues of breathing in uh, the contaminants that were in the air uh, from 
the collapse of the of the airplanes. So the, the numbers of people that were affected, both uh, as um, family and friends of the victims, but also those that worked on Ground Zero. Uh, I went there immediately following Ground Zero, not to Ground Zero, but to Connecticut, just north of there, where I uh, had a hand in, in looking at every uh, detection dog that was in the airports of where each one of those planes were flown out of uh, and were, was uh, tasked with testing the um, the ability of each one of the teams. It was something like 60 teams that myself and a, and a couple other gentlemen were there evaluating these uh, explosive detection teams. And what was uh, moving was that many of the, the, the men and women that showed up for this certification essentially that we were having on their dogs and their handling skills um, were covered in soot. Their boots were dirty. They, they could not get their boots and their clothing clean. And I see, think in some level they didn't want to um, because you know that some of that dust were the uh, burnt remains of some of the humans that were, um, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, just pulverized or, or turned to dust in the fire and in the collapse. And I, I, and I just remember um, having this discussion in, with some of the people that, you know, they, they, they didn't know what to do, that their clothes and their boots were covered and they kind of shook them off, but there was this level of like, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. But it was so fine, some of that powder that was on their boots. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, but... Um, <clears throat> this was, and this was weeks remember all those airports were closed uh, for a period of time and nobody could fly for a period of time and i as soon as they opened i was flown uh, to connecticut to to look at to evaluate all of these dogs that were and handlers that were there <clears throat> so it was a period of time after it was maybe a week two weeks and they were still working at, at ground zero <clears throat> I had a dog that i trained for search and rescue that i found in germany um a couple of years before 9-11, uh, I traveled to Germany with another trainer and he and I found this dog. It was a German pointer and that handler and dog who worked in Palm Springs fire department, uh, flew to ground zero the day following, uh, on a, um, military plane and, uh, was instrumental in recovering, uh, people, uh, that were buried, um, uh, and alive and so thankful, uh, for, the gift that God had given me in relationship to training dogs and, and the ability to select dogs and be, uh, have a small part, uh, in that God, God, that's all thanks to God. But, uh, I know that that officer, or I'm sorry, the fire, uh, that fireman, uh, has had some long-term health issues from being there on nine 11. So keep all those people in your prayer, all the people that are still affected, uh, by what happened on that day. Um, our country was very much affected in, in so many ways. And um, it, it seems that we've learned uh, very little uh, about that day. It is shocking that, that the people that were alive when that happened are now uh, people that are in power that are destroying our country. Um, but on a positive note, we have God. And uh, Jesus Christ died on that cross for our sins and for us, and our eternity has already begun. And um, just pray. Um, pray for those that, are, that don't know him, 
and uh, that are maybe even struggling right now with some health issues uh, and that while their time here on this earth, we want it to be comfortable um, and we want them to heal um, and be well. All right, my friends, uh, this has been an episode of the Fearless Man podcast, and I know a number of y'all are here not necessarily because of that, but you're here uh, maybe because you thought it was the Living Fearless devotional. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, Priscilla says, yes, we are, we are not of this world. <laughs> what a great way to end. Thank you, Priscilla. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, please share uh, this. If you're listening on the podcast, please uh, subscribe. Uh, and uh, that will do me a huge, huge flav flavor and a favor. Uh, but um, I love you guys. God bless you. And, uh, and I know that at least those of us that are watching this um, will not forget 9-11. Uh, God bless you. Take care. Bye.